episode of Becoming a Financially Confident Woman. I am Dr. April Murdoch, CEO and founder of Woman to Woman Financial. And I know everyone is getting ready for tax season. It is that time of the year. Either you're biting your nails, pulling your hair out, trying to get your paperwork together. I know I've spent the last two months getting my books in order and ready uh, to hand off. And so today I have a very special friend. She is a CPA. She is a tax advisor. Uh, she is uh, very successful and well-known in the field of accounting and tax advising. And so I'm so excited to welcome Wendy Barlin, CPA, to the show. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you, April. It's great to be here. And I am excited that it's tax time because it means I get to talk to a lot of people. You know, when you're an accountant and you call people in the summer, nobody wants to talk to me. So I love this time of year because I get to have a lot of interesting conversations with people. Wow, you do. Okay, so I bet the people, though, are they nice when they talk to you this time of year? Is everyone stressed out? Like, how does yeah. that work for you? <laughs> they all stressed out. It's true. Sometimes I'm the bad news bear. Um, I try to be honest and real and not pretend that things are better than they are. I like to call it like it is so you know exactly where you stand. I think we have to have some very real conversations and sometimes it's not easy. I will absolutely say um, right now I work remotely, but years ago I used to have an office and I had a box of tissues on my desk because <laughs> people would cry. Um, and sometimes it's not even necessarily about the number. It's about the anxiety related to the number, right? Mm -hmm. Because to one person, $1,000 might be a huge tax bill. And to somebody else, they'd be relieved. So I've learned that it's not about the number. It's about what it means to someone. Um, and I've learned to really be careful in saying, oh, you owe a lot of taxes. Because one person's a lot is not another person's a lot. Or you don't owe anything. Just 10000 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is definitely all relative. It is definitely relative. So tell us, give us your background. Tell us about you, how you got into this industry, and what makes you know, that you do special. I would imagine that like most little girls... I grew up wanting uh, the knight in shiny armor to come. I wanted to be a princess, but I realized very quickly that that wasn't really a reality. I looked around my own home and there was no knight coming. Mm -mm. In fact, my mother was a stay-at-home mom and my dad is kind of mean. And when I was about 12, I said to her, can't we just leave? Like, he's kind of not a nice guy. Can we just go? And she said, we have nowhere to go. We, we can't leave. I, I have nothing. And I said to myself, yeah, that's not going to be me. And so my entire last 40 plus years has not been about being a princess. It's been about having a responsibility, a job, always able to support myself. And in fact, in my first marriage, I was able to say to my ex-husband, get your stuff and get out of my house and that is extremely empowering and I teach my daughter that um and so what I have done is I have taken what is otherwise an extremely boring field of tax and accounting and I've made it fun I love my clients I'm helping people I bring joy to what I do every day 
So I would challenge anyone who thinks they have a boring job to look around and go, is it really? I mean, could it be worse? And what are your true goals for your life? Because my goal is to love what I do, but it's also to go to sleep at night knowing that no matter what happens, I can put food on the table and I don't need anybody. Yes. Wow. That's an empowering story. But you know what? I find that so many women are in that position. Even today, we think that things have changed and there's so much like that today. And so you are excited about numbers. I have not met a CPA that's excited <laughs> about being a CPA, especially during tax time. So the, because the I love to educate and I find that men uh, sh share a lot of information that women don't really share. So men seem to know about taxes. How do they know? We all went to the same schools. We all had the same education. How do they know things that women don't know? Some of it is they're not shy to ask. They're bold about asking. They get their information at poker games, at a golf course. They figure it out. And so often women come to me, smart, educated, A-type women, and they know nothing about taxes and how it works. And that was always surprising to me, but I think it's because we're taught not to question, right? You go to an accountant, they do their thing, you sign your you pay. And we're not taught to question. And I'm seeing that changing. More and more people are saying, show me, explain how that works. Why? Or I heard that. Is that true? So I really see my, my role as more just like yours educating women about money. You're teaching them what to do with it, where it goes, and I'm helping them on the tax side. But it's really about ask and ask again. So if you're working with a tax advisor who is not answering your questions, you need to find someone else, whether it's me or someone else. But keep asking until you understand. And if they're judging you, that's their problem. Not yours. Keep asking. So I like that. So because, you know, you know about me, it's like this is a no, this is a judgment-free zone, right? There ain't no judgment at all. I care how you come to me. As long as you want to learn and grow, I'm here to help you and provide the education. But tell me the difference between a tax advisor and a CPA, an accountant, and a like, because they have so many variations. Right? You know, who what to ask. That's a good question. I had someone the other day say to me, I have a client who needs a CPA. And I said, what do they need? And he said, they need a tax return done. And I said, well, you don't necessarily need a CPA for a tax return. In fact, the CPA designation is a very general designation. In order to get that license, we had to do audit hours, accounting hours, and a legal test. Tax was only 25% of that certification. So why do we have this perception that if we have a tax problem, we should go to a CPA? I mean, it's it's simply not true. Now they are CPAs who specialize in taxes. Absolutely. As well as there are what's called enrolled agents. And that designation is an EA. And I'll tell you that that is a very difficult test. I have seen that test. And in my opinion, it is harder than the 25% of the CBA test that is focused on taxes. Wow. So we an enrolled agent. That's someone who has taken the IRS test. They have to keep up their education, but they don't have the licensing and insurance requirements that I have as a CPA. And so what that means for you is that that 
person may be able to charge less for, in effect, the same service I'm offering because they cost so less than mine. Mm. There are also people who are lawyers or financial advisors who get a license to represent you in front of the IRS and they can assign your tax return. So I think when you're looking for someone to help you with your taxes, yes, it's great if someone has some letters behind their name. It means they worked hard and they're maintaining their license and their knowledge. But it's much more important to find a person who understands you, listens, and answers your questions. And I'm a little less concerned about the designation behind their name, as well as there are plenty of CPAs that don't do taxes at all, or accountants. Accountants are people that do financial statements and strategy work and banking, and they have never even looked at a tax return before. So be very clear about exactly what you're asking for. The other thing that I always tell people is, are you looking for a tax preparer or are you looking for a tax advisor? Because those are also two completely separate roles. And very often people call me and they go, oh, my tax guy, he won't answer any of my questions. Well, what did you hire him for? Did you hire him to prepare your tax return or did you hire him for advice? Because if you hired him to prepare your tax return, that does not mean you paid him for advice. That means you paid for your tax return. Now, if you want advice, especially forward-looking advice, you need to pay for tax advice. And so that often helps people in working with tax professionals across the board be very clear about what are you asking for. I am asking you for, to prepare my return and give me advice or give me advice and then I'll do my tax return on tax cut, tax pro. And that's okay too. Just be clear what you're asking for so that you don't end up frustrated or disappointed with what you get. No, that is such a cool, that is such a succinct, clear response because I do think that we consumers, we get it mixed up. And I had a client contact me because there was an EA who did her tax return and she had some questions after the fact. I think it took so long for the IRS to do its thing. You know, it's like maybe in the middle or right after COVID. And the EA was like, well, I filed it. If you want to know any more, you need yeah. IRS. And so the client was like, who did you refer me to? You know, this is not. And I am thinking, you know, well, what, what is your responsibility to the client? And so that is such, that's so clear. So it helps people understand what your roles are so no one gets it mixed up. So tell me about what you do. Are you... Are you you do both? How does your thing mix? Right. So I do both and I'm very clear. I have a piece of paper, a one sheet that I can send to people and it says, We will prepare your tax return. One state, ten forty individual tax return of five hundred dollars. If you have a small business, that's an extra two fifty. If you have an investment portfolio, that might be an extra two. So the prices are all laid out. Everyone knows exactly what they're gonna get. And then underneath it says, and there are opportunities for tax advice, but those are separately registered and separately booked and analyzed because not everybody is a good candidate for tax advice, right? And so you need to be very clear about what you're asking. Um, there are a lot of people who come to me and there's things I don't know about. I don't know about nonprofits. 
I don't know about international taxes and how to set up offshore trusts. I don't do that stuff. So again, you have to be very clear that the person you're hiring can answer the questions that are particular to your situation. I don't know anything about a sales tax. So when someone comes to me, it's not like, oh, I'm an advisor. Don't worry, I'll advise you. You got to be careful with that, right? You wouldn't go to a GP if you um, had a heart problem. It's the same with tax people. You want to be sure that you go to someone who specializes in the issues that you have. Mm. So what questions should people come to the table with? Like, what what do you ask? You That's know, great. Yeah, I love that. I think uh, really what we want to do is A, trust your gut. If if talking with any professional doesn't make you feel good, then don't work with that. Even if your neighbor says they're the best, they save me thousands of dollars. If they don't feel good to you, they don't feel good to you. Trust your instincts. I also recommend that you work with someone who asks you questions. So you're not asking the questions. They're asking the questions. April, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your goals. Tell me about your business. Tell me about your cash situation. Those are questions a tax preparer should be asking you, and you should be talking. If they're doing all the talking and say, oh, I'm going to save you thousands. Don't worry, I'll make you lots of money back. Yeah, no, hmm, that doesn't feel good. I don't recommend you go with people who do all the talking. If they're good at what they do, they shouldn't need to brag about it. So I, I think they should be asking you the questions um, and listen out for people who are not listening to your responses. They don't seem sympathetic, empathetic, and they keep telling you how fantastic they are. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's <laughs> talking about narcissism. That's a, such an overly used word, but that sounds like one. So tell me, like, what mistakes do you typically see, like, individuals and then small business owners make when it comes to just planning or just laying out their finances to prepare for you? The biggest mistake I see every single day is taxpayers leaving money on the table because they don't understand what is and is not deductible. So if you're doing your own bookkeeping and your income and expenses are coming through your credit cards and your and your putting it together for your tax person, you are saying, this is deductible, this isn't, and this is deductible, this isn't. It goes off to your tax person and they prepare your return. What about all the expenses that you didn't know are in fact deductible for your specific business, your specific situation? I saw a client yesterday who had $150 on her tax return for meals and entertainment. And I'm like, really? That's it? You're killing me here. So there are great area deductions like meals and travel and gifts and research that you don't know what within there is or is not deductible. And that's where it's worth paying for an hour of a professional's time to educate you on what the law says. What is a gray expense? What's illegal? What's aggressive? What's conservative? If someone's not explaining that to you, then I guarantee that you're leaving money on the table. The other thing I'll tell you that is my absolute guarantee, and I know this because I've been doing tax returns for 25 years, please, please, please use an automated software. I don't care whether it's Wave, which I love because it's free, Quicken, QuickBooks is expensive and overkill for most small businesses. They end up making more on this than anything else with it. Please use one of these automated systems. They account for every single dollar and they allow someone like me to find more tax deductions for you as compared to 
clients who say to me, I'm very good with my numbers. I'm really good. Here's my Excel spreadsheet. I've taken all my expenses for the year and I've categorized them in this huge workbook that they send me. And every time I say this to a client, every time in 25 years, I say, April, thank you. I'm going to make this deal with you. If my team take this Excel worksheet and put it into QuickBooks and come up with a different number, you pay for your tax return. If I come up with the same number as you, your tax returns free. I mean, how many free tax returns do you think I've had to give away? None. None. Because Excel is fallible. And sometimes somebody will, the formula doesn't run all the way down. I had one client who um, was in the real estate business and she had one number in a column that was marked as a number. So the, the formula didn't include it. She yeah. would have owed $10,000 in taxes because of an Excel formula. So you tell me, is it worth taking the time to use a Wave or a Quicken or a QuickBooks and make sure that you get every dollar? Because I'm telling you, a notebook and an Excel, I don't care how good you are, no disrespect to your Excel skills, there are too many numbers in there to make sure it's 100% accurate. No, I agree. I mean, I work with numbers every day. There's no way in God's green earth I would attempt to do an Excel document. Oh, and yes. I use QuickBooks. So the issue, though, comes in is making sure you set it up correctly from the right. onset. And I right. think that is the struggle that businesses have. Do you provide, like, resources for that? Or how do you, or do you set that? She's a great resource for that. Um, I have a bookkeeping advisor who charges $50 an hour right here in my office. He does Zoom calls with people and he will do an hour QuickBooks setup and training with you, get you started. And then when you have trouble or if you get stuck, you call him, he does another hour a week later and at least get you started. Um, and again, you know, you only know what you know, but if every dollar going through your bank and your credit cards you allocate, even if it's to a category that says, ask my accountant, then when it comes to us for taxes and I see $40,000 and ask my accountant, I can look at it and go, okay, what's in here? There might be some deductions. They might not be, but if I don't ever see that because you've made the choice that it's not deductible, then we lose all that money. Ooh. So, yeah. So I've heard, though, like I had a client some years ago be referred to me by a real estate agent. She has a very thriving business here in town, very successful, but was unable to qualify for a residence because of the deductions. On Now, drove a really nice car, owned her, <laughs> built, you know, rented this beautiful, just yeah. all the trappings of success. The cash flow was definitely there. But for some reason, the tax return showed like $22,000 of net income and so a taxable income. And so how do you how do you deal with that when you talk about the deductions and the write-offs? So this kind of goes back to the conversations you have with your tax person, right? Because if you just send them the numbers and they run a tax return, it is what it is. And, and maybe you do over-deduct, maybe you don't. And then you go buy a house and they tell you, no, you don't qualify. Really, this goes back to having those conversations where your tax preparer says, what's going on? What, what's coming down the pipe? Are you quitting your job? Are you going to go out and start your own business? Are you buying a house? Are you refinancing a house? Are you getting married? So you need to have those conversations because when I talk to my clients and they tell me, oh, I'm doing house shopping next year or 
thinking about buying in two years or next year, I say to them, okay, well, we need to be strategic about what we put on your tax return because it's going to affect you. So maybe next year you have higher taxable income, plan on paying more taxes because they're following you and you want to be able to qualify for a loan. And so those are where the conversations are so important. It's not just about the number of deductions. It's about qualifying for loans, financial aid for kids in school. I have a daughter going off to college next year or this year and um, in the fall. And it was absolutely important for us to have numbers on our tax return that would help us qualify for aid. And so what are those numbers? And, and how do you plan for college funding? So there's a lot more that really goes into taxes than just tax deductions. But when people say to me, how do I find more deductions? That's another question, right? That we can help you look for with good bookkeeping, good record keeping. But it is definitely not the way you run your life. And, and a prime example is when people say, should I lease or buy a car? That's a new tax question. That's a cash question. That's a, do you have the money to buy? Do you want to buy? Do you lease? Do you do more than 10,000 miles a year? Those questions are best addressed by you, April, before they come to me. Then when they decide that the best cash choice is to buy or to lease, then they come to me and I explain the tax consequences and we do the best we can to find deductions. But we don't make choices to get a tax deduction. We make choices that are best for our lives, um, which is why working with financial advisors is so important for us as tax advisors, because that knowledge works together. It's not a standalone. Mm -hmm. That is so good. That is so good. So so I know I'm, I've worked too with like high uh, W-2 earners, like high wage earners, 300,000, you know, accredited investor level, W-2 employees. Are there any options for them when it comes to the deductions, especially, you know, women now that I typically work with are divorced or widowed or, you know, now they're single. And so they may not have, um, you know, they may have a house, they may not have a house. Yes. So are there any options for them when it comes to deductions because of that big tax? Yeah, so I think the only, uh, the only option left to them is really real estate type investing where you can create losses, both commercial um, and residential. We set up LLCs and we move money around. There's also the option um, charitable contributions to set up foundations. Some of it relates to estate planning. There are opportunities, but there are fewer. The bigger opportunities are for people with businesses, for sure. And so when you when you work with people, I'm, I'm sure you work with established businesses in terms of some, right? Or do you work with newer businesses? Like I actually do a lot of newer businesses. So what I find is that um, very established businesses have very specific needs that are actually beyond my capability. I have a small team. We're local here in Ponavidra. And so when people come to me with multi-state sales tax, online sales, things that are extremely complicated, I will send them out to larger firms that have research departments because the law is such that right now there's a point at which you are not safe to be with a tax accountant that doesn't have a research department. And so I uh, am very clear about it a little bit better. 
I do a lot of work with people setting up startups, um, small businesses, a lot of home-based businesses, anything that is service-based, really, a lot of writers, a lot of bloggers, um, I'm able to help them because they have nowhere to turn. They can't afford the thousands of dollars that the big firms are charging. Yeah, yeah, it is very expensive to to work with the big boys. And so having someone like you that's dedicated to us small people out here. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's my passion. You know, I worked with those big people. I worked in Hollywood. I worked with all the A-listers and it was fantastic. And it was a stage of my life. And that's where I learned what I know now. Um, but I just don't want to do that anymore. Like that. You know, after the towers fell in New York, I, I really changed what was important to me and it was no longer working with the Hollywood A-listers and having all my clients have millions and billions of dollars. Uh, now I'm really working with people who are like me that I know I can help. I can help get the kids into college. I can help get them with scholarships for private schools um, because we work with the numbers and, and we have a lot of conversations and that's what makes the difference. So people who come to you need both. I would assume they would want tax advising as well as the tax preparation side and or the contracting with your bookkeeper to kind of help them get their their business yes sometimes and sometimes uh they only need one or the other so i have a lot of cases where someone just comes to me for advice and they're you know what just explain to me how this works explain to me how I do better. And then I'll file my own return on tax pro or tax cut or my grandmother does it for me, whatever. Fine. No skin off my nose. I don't mind. And then I have other people who come to me and their businesses are really in its infancy. And I'll say, no, you don't need to pay me for advising. First, go make some money. Go figure out how your business makes money. When you have $30,000 in profit, then come back to me and I'll help you minimize it. But first go focus on growing your business and, you know, what are the bones and the legs of your business? So it, it, it really depends. And uh, that's why I love conversations because I'm kind of a snoop. I love to find out what's going on in people's businesses. And, you know, sometimes I also have to tell them this is not a real business. So I'm a big Rodan and Fields person. You can tell my skin, right? <laughs> and and work with a lot of um, multi-level marketing people where I tell them you can't be deducting these losses on your tax return every year. The IRS is going to come looking for you. So sometimes I have to say either you make this a real business or we're going to need to take it off your tax return. There's this thing called hobby losses and you have to be very careful that your business is in fact legitimate. It's okay to have losses. We all have years with losses, but you just have to be really careful that um, the IRS could not deem it as a hobby and not a business. So sometimes I have to have those very difficult conversations with people. So what is a hobby then? Tell me like what would constitute a business that's a hobby versus a business? I mean, so besides the fact you're not making no money, I guess. but Right. Well, if you have a full-time job. If you have a lot of people are gaming the system by having a full-time job and then setting up a multi-level marketing type business or an Etsy store on the side and it makes losses. And then they all set those losses against their income for the jobs. So they pay less in taxes. But guess what? They're not the only ones to do it. The IRS knows about the scheme. And so generally what they'll say is three years of losses, right? And then you get a letter. Uh, I often got a letter one year because when my daughter was born, I only worked part time, 
and my income was very low. And I bought a letter saying, everyone in your zip code makes $250,000. Why is yours so low? I was so offended. Like, (laughs) but the asshole was on his birth certificate and I've been living off capital. So I could only work a few hours and they were like, oh, okay. But I see those letters go out a lot too. So, you know, you just need to be smart about it. Um, don't, don't do anything silly. If you, the other one they love is people who do, uh, I saw a guy the other day had a, um, a, a kickboxing business, got a couple of people to pay him, you know, 20 or $40 to train with them. And he claimed now he had a kickboxing business and he deducted all his classes that he took. I mean, that's just never going to fly. Right. I mean, at some point you have to be reasonable. And if it's when it smells like a duck and walks like a duck, it's probably going to duck. Gosh, what's all the we can do that? That's crazy. Crazy, right? I can't tell you the things that people come to me. Some people with blogs. There's a guy who came with a travel blog. Someone told him that if he writes a blog, he can deduct all his travel expenses for all his personal vacations because he's blogging about it every day. But he, he never he never made any money from his blog. So I said, all right, well, one or two years, maybe, maybe. But by the third year, you don't think the IRS is going to go What's this unusual, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if you can prove that, in fact, you're, you're, you have a plan and you, your business is coming along, maybe. But again, it's like a red flag to a bull. So if you want to take deductions, let's talk about doing it in a smart way, uh, not like raving, waving that red flag, saying, yeah, come, yeah, zoom So before we came on here, because you and I met, we we met at a she is fierce thing and um but not, and I, I i so love you i swear like I, I you know and anyway we we had this common bond with profit first and and i kind of fell in love with it and then you told me that that's the way you do and and without giving it all away tell us like in terms of cash flow how that helps or how you help businesses, small businesses understand cash flow using that type of system and, and what it is. Cause I know you used to be a profit first certified professional. So, right. Well, I have to preface it by saying the reason I even found profit first in the first place, profit first is a, a cash flow system, a book written by Mike McCallowitz. You can find it on Amazon. It's a really easy read. The audible is fantastic. It's actually All right, so we had a little bit of a technical glitch, but we're back. My computer's tired, so I have to preface the story about Harlem Smith by saying that uh, it was 2017, 18, and I had had the best year ever. I had had breakfast meetings, lunch meetings, dinner meetings. I was focused on selling bringing in business and selling. And I was so proud of myself. I was tired. I was proud of my numbers. And we got to December and I sat down to do my own tax planning. Um, and I, you know, was going to send money to the government. And you know what I found? There was nothing left in my bank account, nothing. And I'm an accountant and this happened to me. I had spent the whole year. I'd had the best revenue year ever in my business. And by December 31st, you know, what was left? nothing 
I, I actually sat down and cried. I remember that day. And I said, see, my dog's still upset about it. He couldn't get good food. We had to eat drugstore food. And like, I remember calling one of my colleagues and saying, I had this happen. Like, had this happen to me? And, uh, and she recommended Profit First and I read it and it really changed my life. And how it changed my life is it allowed me to see that I had started saying yes. I was like the fish in the fishbowl. As my money grew, my choices grew. I got a bigger car. I said yes to everybody in my life. So I upgraded my cell phone plan. I, everything was a yes. The whole year was yes. Hmm. And I realized that there had to be a better way to kind of live within my means, but live well. And so what Profit First does is it's not a budgeting system. Budgeting for me is very negative and very, um, it's not an abundance mindset. I believe in abundance. I believe there is more. I believe the world is taking care of me. And in my experience, you cannot be an abundance thinker and manage a budget. They, they are not congruent. So how do I manage my money without a budget? In 50 years, I've never been able to budget. So what Profit First does is it sets up buckets like the envelope system our grandparents used to use, where when your money comes in, you take some of it and you set it aside for taxes. You take some of it, you set it aside for your rent. You take some of it, you set it aside for fun because fun is okay, but you know how much you can spend on fun. You set aside some for marketing. You set some aside for payroll. So yes, you could end up with seven bank accounts. Like I did, I don't know, that sounds miserable, but in fact, it's liberating because here's what happens. Instead of going on vacation and putting the money on a credit card, which I did for many years, we would go on family vacation, put on a credit card. I'd come home and I'd spend like the next six to eight months paying down my credit card. Now I look in the bank account and I say to my family, okay, family, this is what we have saved for our summer vacation. Where would you like to go? And this is what we have to spend. And that changes the way you live. It changes the way you enjoy your vacation because now there's no more stress about the bills that are going to be waiting when we get home. We pay for it in cash. Not to say I don't use credit cards. I love credit cards. I haven't paid for an air ticket in years because of my miles. So I use credit cards. But the intention of Profit First is that you put money in accounts so you can make choices looking forwards and not backwards. Do you want to do a marketing campaign? That depends. What's in your marketing account? April and I both love conferences. Conferences are expensive. You're talking about airfares and hotels. I put 3% of my income in a conference account. And when I see a conference come up that I want to go to, I look. Sometimes I can go. Sometimes I can't go. And that's okay. I would rather know that than pretend everything's okay. Because the worst thing I see is people who come and see me now in March or April, and they don't have the money for last year's taxes. Why? Because they didn't know they owed it and they spent it. Just like me. They didn't know they owed it and they spent it. Whereas now we kind of get around that. And today, every single week, every Friday is my money day. And every Friday, I put 10% or 15%, depending on what state you're in, uh, of my deposits into a tax savings account. And I don't touch it. I just don't touch it. And that's been the only way in 25 years that I have seen that really works for people to manage their money. So if you've never heard of it or you've never looked into it, go take a look. And for those of you who are naysayers, call me. I'm happy to have that discussion. If you have a better system or a different system, let's talk about it. But you must have a system to get ahead of your cash and ahead of your taxes.
No, I I so agree with you. Listen, I was just telling you when I looked up last year, you know, I worked half the year and I had a good half a year. But oh my goodness, it was the year of the yes. And honestly, every year until I found Profit First was like Shonda Rhimes book, the year of the yes. Oh, because we do bank what they say, bank balance accounting. We look at our bank balance and go, oh, right. that thanks. I saw the money coming in and I was like, oh my God, I'm rich, rich. And you think it's going to be like that next month and the next right. month. And so in, in, in my business, it is not like that at all. And so when you validated Profit First for me, being a CPA, I'd, I'd read the book. And, you know, when you told me also, you kind of just co-signed it for me. I was like, she's a CPA and she's using it. There's got to be something to it. And so in full transparency, like I told you earlier, um, I was told, no, that's too many accounts. In fact, I had a CPA say he was going to charge me like $4,000 to do my books for last year because of the multiple bank accounts that he had not even looked at yet. And so... Wasn't you? you didn't even look at them to see how many transactions, but nevertheless, you gave me a price. And so that scared me and I actually stopped doing it. And then I woke up the end of the year like that, like, oh crap, well, where is my money? Yeah, I do well. I did well. Right. Why? Where is it? And I know it's not, I mean, I know I put things in, I, but I, it's been the year of the yes. So I right. said yes to a lot of people. to just be good to ourselves. Like we all work so hard. And especially in these times, life is not easy. And so whether it's 1% or 2% or 5% of your income that you could put away into a fun account, that is something that Mike really taught us. Um, to be good to ourselves. And it's a relative concept and there's no judgment. Whether it's 1% of your revenue or 5% of your revenue, take something and put it away in a fun account because whether it's a manicure or pedicure or a week at the spa, whatever it is, take that money and do something fun for yourself because we need that. Otherwise, it just becomes a drudge. And I speak to so many business owners who want to quit and they want to go back and get a job. And without that little injection of cash and fun money, it's easy to see that, you know, those days, I have those days too, where I'm just like, oh, come on. So um, so 1% profit account, sock it away somewhere and, and do something nice for yourself every three or four months. And I, I love that. And I like that you subscribe to that method because that's so important. I try to teach my small business owners that method too. So, so tell me, how can people reach out to you? Like who is someone you'd want to work with? How can we let this audience know how to reach you and get Well, them? thank you, April. Yeah. So you can reach me at taxboutiquecpa.com taxboutiquecpa.com. We work with anybody that is a single state, small business, and or someone with a W-2 job who just wants a clean tax return. And we guarantee same day response time. And that for me is a big deal. You send me an email, someone on my team will get back to you same day to say, we got your email, we can see what you need and we'll get it to you on this day. You will never send us an email or a phone call and not hear from us the same day. I, I find it unconscionable that people say, oh, I haven't heard from my CPA in three or four days or a week or two weeks. What? 
that's outrageous. How is that appropriate? So we really stand behind our money back guarantee on same-day response time. So you can find me at taxboutiquecpa.com. Okay. And if I can't help you, I'll find you someone who can. Okay, that is awesome. Hey, you guys, you heard her. I mean, she is amazing. You can tell her passion and her knowledge of what she does. So I encourage you to really connect with her, to get the advice and the help you need. Now, she's not free, so don't be calling her talking about, I got a question, and, and get upset when you get an invoice. So it's definitely not free, but it's not the big boys. And it sounds like, and from what I know of her, she will give you the best advice, the most accurate advice, and she's passionate and she's going to stick by you and help you. So, Wendy, you. I want to thank you because I know it's tax season is, is approaching and for you to just pull some time out this evening to talk to us and share your knowledge and expertise with my my listening audience. I so, so appreciate it. So uh, thank you again for coming on the podcast and um, we'll talk soon. Thank you. 